Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. Uh, we thank you that it's been recorded uh, for us um, and empowered by your spirit. And so, Lord, as we take time pondering it, as we uh, listen to this sermon, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would uh, reveal yourself to us, that we would know you more uh, through this time, that we would know and understand ourselves more. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would be glorified as we get to know you more and respond to you. So work amongst us. Lord, I pray for your blessing on me as I speak, um, that you would, your words would come from my mouth and pray this in your name. Amen. So we have um, been started on a, a little bit of a journey, um, which is through the Gospels, uh, where we're looking at how Jesus did uh, this broad uh, theme or purpose that, we've, uh, that God's laid on us as a church about moving people in following Christ. And uh, for the last three weeks, uh, myself and Joel have sort of introduced uh, the master plan as we begin this sort of journey through the Gospels. We're going through the Gospels, we're looking at what Jesus did, we're examining what are the principles that we can take from the way he discipled, the way he moved people in following him, uh, and what can we uh, apply to our lives uh, today. If we go to the next slide... Uh, we've done that uh, around our church's goals and um, mission statements of growing disciples, caring for people and reaching the world. That we see that as Jesus uh, moves through uh, the Gospels, as they record his life, that he's doing these three things constantly. Um, and this is where our church's goals and stuff originally came from when we were looking at summarising what we're on about as the church, as followers of Jesus, uh, these three things came up and God has sort of uh, laid them on our hearts and I think is going to reinforce or is reinforcing that these are the priorities of the way Jesus lived uh, his life on this earth as he um, cast out the net of the kingdom. That's some of the language we've been using, isn't it? As he asked his disciples and we think about following him, um, that it was uh, growing people in following him, but it was also caring for the people that came across his path. Uh, we, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how Jesus' ministry was often uh, distracted by people who came across his path. And he, because he loved them, he had compassion on them, he interacted with them, uh, he brought healing, he brought restoration for people as well. And last week, if you were here, you would have heard Joel talking about... Uh, reaching the world and the, the idea that the fruit that we produce, that God produces through us, is not for us, it's actually for the world. Uh, we think often uh, in our context that we do that locally, nationally and internationally. So I hope that uh, you responded to Joel's um, challenge to you at the end of last week about who are, those, who are the people that you needed to show fruit to. Who are the people that needed your fruit this week? Um, and if you missed that, uh, the sermons are online. You can listen to them online and uh, go over them again if you want to. I firmly believe that as we go through these themes and these sermons, that God speaks to us as his church. And I see him doing that. 
And so it's a great thing actually to go back, if you have time, to go back online and re-listen to them again and get a feel for what God's saying to us as his people. Um, so uh, as we move forward from here, next slide, we're going to um, unpack this Gospels uh, thing over the next however many months. And we're going to use Jesus' last word to his disciples, the Great Commission, uh, as a bit of a framework for uh, unpacking and, and, and looking at how Jesus uh, did this discipleship uh, stuff. Um, and I want to begin, just as we, as we go into to this morning's uh, sermon and into here, there is this sense that often uh, when we read the Great Commission, um, that we focus on the go. Um, and I've, I've intentionally put this here. The, the focus of this verse is make disciples. That's the focus of the verse. And the other stuff sort of hang around it. Over the years, and churches sort of throughout the earth or throughout the world at the moment are recognising this, that we've actually probably shifted the emphasis and have been more focused about going. And we've got to go and we've got to do this and we've got to go and we've got to go. And churches around the world at the moment saying, actually, we have sort of missed a little bit and we've sort of been more focused about sort of conversions or bringing out the God rather than actually uh, making disciples and seeing, uh, helping people uh, follow Jesus and grow in following Jesus. So more the sense of the word and that go there, um, and better Greek scholars than me have sort of unpacked this, but there's more the sense there that it's as you go. So as you live life, as God sort of leads you in different uh, paths, whatever that may be, as you go uh, in your workplace, in your homes, uh, or whether he calls you overseas as well, as you go, you make disciples. Make followers of Jesus and help others uh, to become like him. And so uh, I want to get us that, that sort of framework as we think about that. And, and this is sort of a bit, like I said, a bit of a move that's happening through churches throughout the world at the moment. There's a big emphasis on um, growing disciples and how we as a church, a church is growing uh, disciples. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this as-you-go uh, type idea. We're going to look later on uh, what does it mean about baptising. We're going to look also about the teaching and obeying uh, and also the power and authority. We're going to break them up as we uh, go through this over the next few months. And so... As I was thinking about this for us as a church here at One Hope this week, I thought we've done lots of going. We've done, we've, and we've emphasised go. And, and as, I, as I always say to you, I preach this to myself, <laughs> and even more so to myself, because I've been a leader in this church for the last sort of 18 odd years. And I think, yep, we've done lots of going. We've done Easter roses, we do carols each year, we go to the school, we do holiday programs, we've been to Yalata, we go to Uganda. And the question I've been asking myself and I've been wrestling with, but how are we going at making disciples? How are we going as a church of having people follow Christ? And I think what we're really good at doing with that is that families that grow up in this church, um, our children, 
uh, I think we do a pretty good job generally with our children. Children from our own families or Christian families that join this church and uh, we grow them up uh, and we see them uh, work through our children's programs, our youth programs and, um, and mentoring and discipling. I think generally it's, it's, it's happening amongst us. The stat that pierced my heart this week as I looked back over the 25 years of the existence of this church, I could only count at a stretch about five people who have been discipled into a living relationship with Jesus from outside the church, those who weren't Christians before. And we've done lots of going and, and presenting the gospel. But over 25 years, I could, I could probably count about five that have come to hear the gospel, respond and then be grown to become a follower of Jesus and still following Jesus. And the definition of the disciple, of a disciple, is someone that's helping others follow Jesus. And I thought, yep, this is true for us, just as many other churches around the world are discovering this. A few years back, Willow Creek, so um, you know, Bill Hybels, mega church in the States, they did a whole survey of their church, mega church, thousands of whatever. They realised they were great at making con converts, great at attracting people, but they weren't great at making disciples. And they changed a lot of their programming and their structures and stuff about actually growing disciples. So we're not the only ones. <laughs> but just realising that it, it's true for us. And so I think this is what God has put on our hearts and put on us as a church. How are we helping uh, people follow Christ, and particularly for those who haven't yet heard or are outside um, sort of our family contexts. And I think, as I've been wrestling with, I think a lot of that has to do with building long-term intentional dis um, relationships. Long-term intentional and probably I'd go deep relationships. And that's, and working that with, because uh, we do it sort of naturally in our families, but from those outside, how do we do that? What does that look like? How does that, how's that been worked out for you, maybe? <laughs> and so as we wrestle with that and we're thinking about this, and I think God wants to equip us and empower us to become better at that, I want us to think about this as you go uh, idea. And we want to use the Mary and Martha uh, story and a, a couple of them that Philippa read for us. And we're going to, uh, this week we're going to look at priorities that Jesus gives his disciples. Over the next few weeks we're going to look at opportunities, plans and celebrating and fails, failures and success in that. But today um, I want to focus on priorities. Priority number one on being a disciple of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus is one just to do that, is to to actually be a follower of Jesus, to know who Jesus is, to be in a deep relationship with him, to desire to learn from him, to be with him and to grow with him. And that comes out of this story, doesn't it? You see the emphasis that Jesus puts on that. And it, as we go through the Gospels, we see him doing it time and time again. He says to his disciples, you've got to know who I am. You've got to come close to me. You've got to understand uh, what I'm doing for you. I want you to eat with me and drink with me. And then he showed them the example, isn't it? This is what a relationship with God <laughs> looks like as he spends time with his Father. It's a constant refrain through the Gospels. Jesus went 
to lonely places, places where he spent with his father. He connected, he prayed, uh, and, I, and, and, and he says, I do what my father tells me. My father and I are one, and I want you to be in that sort of relationship as well. And so as Jesus works with his disciples, he's constantly uh, showing them and teaching them and, and getting them to work on this intimate relationship with Jesus because that's going to drive the rest. And so that's what I want us to think about uh, for us as a church and for those of us here this morning. What's your relationship with Jesus like? Uh, is he priority one in your life? Do you have uh, a growing deep, passionate relationship with Jesus. Because in these two passages, I think, um, we discover two disciples of Jesus. Mary and Martha are two disciples of Jesus. So they're the apostles, the 12 apostles that followed. But then Jesus had also um, many other disciples and Mary uh, and her sister were part of them. Uh, their brother was Lazarus, Lazarus um, who Jesus rose from the dead later on. Um, and they are followers of Jesus. So they live in Bethany, which is just down near Jerusalem. And it po quite possibly, um, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, and he probably went there a few times during his ministry to do the Passover stuff and things like that, that he actually stayed at their home. And so whether the, the situations that I just read were actually the same or he actually stayed there multiple times, it seems like he stayed there uh, multiple times. And so he got to know them. He had actually a, a close relationship with Mary and Martha. And uh, as we read, as Jesus was going to Jerusalem again, as he was going on his way again, as he went, another distraction comes in, and he goes in and he has this and he interacts. Uh, so again, there's this sense that when we do discipleship, when we're thinking about discipleship, we've got to be, this happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not just something that we do and plug into an event or gathering or something like that. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we're constantly thinking about uh, how is Jesus uh, wanting us to engage with those he puts in our paths. And I think as we go through, I'm going to give you little tools like that. And that's a tool, okay? I want you to have the as-you-go tool locked in your head so that as you go through your week... And the other the little phrase that I'm giving you is, who's God putting in my path? So as I go, who's God putting in my path? And what's he calling me to do in, in interacting um, with those people? Um, and we, uh, as we unpack and we look at this, uh, this story, this story of Mary and Martha, there's this, a sense that it's, uh, uh, Jesus gives his disciples teachable moments, isn't he? Something happens here and he teaches into it. So he teaches Mary and Martha about this. And so uh, it's interesting uh, if we go, yeah, if we go to, if we just have a look at the two different personalities in the story. So Martha is, uh, if you noticed in both stories, she's the one that's offering people to come in. She's the one that's giving hospi hospitality. She's the one that's organised. She's the hard worker. She's the servant. It's mentioned a couple of times in those passages. Uh, and that's sort of her personality. Uh, and it's interesting, just go bear in mind as we unpack this, that's not wrong. Okay. Okay, but here's the thing, it's not best, okay? It's not wrong, but it's not best. And this is the Jesus point in this. 
because he says that to Mary. Mary, who's the devoted worshipper, uh, who acts spontaneously, like the perfume type thing. Uh, she sits at Jesus' feet, wants to know him, uh, desires to be sort of in a personal relationship with him and, and gathering from him. That's best. That's what Jesus says here. That's best. So that's got to have... And then the other stuff, the hospitality, the organiser, hard work, that flows out of that. And so Jesus is saying, that's not wrong what she's doing, that's good, because later on he talks about hospitality and caring and being a servant and hardworking. But in this point, and as we begin this journey about being disciples, the point is it's a priority issue. People, we can't do this, making disciples or making, moving people in following Christ, we can't do that unless we get our priorities right. And the priority is a personal, living, passionate relationship with Jesus. So I've been asking people, I ask you, are you more like Mary or you're more like Martha? <laughs> the reality will be that we're a bit of both. And at times, at different times in our life, we sort of waver between the two. But where might you might be now? And where I want to particularly unpack this as we go through this, I want to unpack the, the what was it that was keeping Martha from the best choice? What was it that was keeping Martha from the best choice? And the Bible, it says that she was distracted by many things. She was distracted by the preparations, by much serving and getting it around. And we know what this is like, isn't it? If we have people come to our homes, we can often be more concerned about the preparations of the meal than maybe preparing for the people or praying for the people. We can be more concerned about the state of our house than the state that the people that are coming into our house are in. And so we, we relate to these things, and I think m many of us know that we... And sometimes I think, or I think what Jesus is doing or what God's doing in, in, in this, and I want to give you a warning about that. It's, the, it's a warning. Don't get so consumed about the meal you put before people. The priority is actually the person <laughs> and... and um, and so it's just some teaching in there that he's uh, getting us to focus on. And probably the priority is that we are doing it because we're in a relationship with Jesus. We know how much God has loved us. We know how much Jesus has loved us. We know what Jesus did for us. And that inspires us to serve. That inspires us uh, to, to offer. And, and, and are we doing that? Or what so often happens in church circles and Christian circles, which I do as well, is that we think that the hospitality, the hard-working, the serving is what God's pleased with. God's not pleased with that unless it comes out of a relationship with him. It doesn't make God any happier. So, you know the line? God doesn't love you because of what you do for him. Okay, He doesn't love you because of what you do for him. He loves you because of who you are. He loves you as his children. And that's the gospel. Every time he loves you because you are his children. <laughs> yeah, and he is pleased when you do the things that makes him happy. But he, he is pleased with you because you are his children. And Jesus is reminding us to keep that relationship, this idea of the father-son, a father-daughter, that that's at the core of who we are as his followers. 
And so this is, <laughs> this is the same message you've heard in church for years and years and years. And it goes back centuries. It hasn't changed a whole lot in terms of uh, this idea of growing a personal relationship with Jesus, of um, talking to him in prayer, reading the Bible, listening to him, and doing that over and over again as we get to know him. We'll just unpack that a bit in a minute. It's interesting, I think, when I, I, I didn't, I'd never really connected those two passages before. I think it's quite interesting because it reveals a little bit about Mary and Martha even more. And I thought it was quite interesting, isn't it, in, and particularly the worshipping part of Martha, that in that passage she gets this perfume that is uh, the random fact, the random fact is that it was worth 300 denarii, that's what most, and that's about a year's wage. So, what is it, a, year, a year's wage, maybe $50,000. So it was worth $50,000. That's an extravagant act of worship, isn't it? It says something about her priorities. I was, I've been thinking about that. How is my worship a reflection of, of who Jesus is, my priorities in life? How is the way that I sing here? How is the way I interact with what happens here an extravagant depiction of my love for Jesus? Do I understand the depth of his love for me that I would respond that way? Because that's, that's, it's almost a spontaneous thing. Do I understand his love for me that way that I respond in a spontaneous thing? And as I've been uh, reading and preparing for these sort of services, I've been reading this book, I put it on Facebook this week, uh, it's called Crazy Busy. Because I think there's an epidemic in our culture and it's crept into our church and this is the whole thing of busyness. And that's, that was Martha's thing. She was busy, distracted by the many things, that's what it says, rather than choosing the one thing. And we are a distracted people. <laughs> I know it in my own life. There's so much happening in my life that I'm distracted from my first priority. Distracted from getting to know Jesus. Distracted from spending time with him. And I hear it all the time. I hear it in my own life, but I hear it from you guys as well. Oh, I haven't done my devotions. I haven't got time for that. I can't fit it in. Um, as we've been talking about grow groups in the church, one of the reasons we're, we're focusing on grow groups this year, accountability groups or grow groups, is because it becomes a place that focuses on us uh, holding each other accountable to having Jesus as one, number one in our lives. We don't want to do grow groups so that we can have a list on my wall that says that everyone in our church is on grow group list. Now, we want to have grow groups because we find that it is a powerful way to keep people connected with Jesus and walking with him. And <laughs> I'm already hearing it. I haven't got time for that. That doesn't fit into my... I'm busy. And it is hard work. Yeah, it is hard work. Jesus doesn't back away from its hard work. But he says you've got to get your priorities right. And it's a priority thing. 
How are you relating to me? How are you spending time with me, Jesus says? Or are you being distracted? And I think it's a flip side here. <laughs> See what happens. It happens in my life. I think it happens in most people. The flip side is, is either I'm too busy or I'm too lazy. Because that's the other side, isn't it? And we just get rid of all our busyness and then we just end up watching the footy all night. <laughs> So those two, are, we're trying to keep those balanced somewhere, isn't it? So it's not just busyness, but it's also laziness, and somehow we're trying to bring those two together. And, you know, that, that's the old adage, the line, time is not the issue, it's the priority that's the issue. It's a priority thing. Time is always a priority thing. Everyone gets the same amount of time. It's just how I choose to spend it. My life is kept too busy to find those spaces and places to be with Jesus, whether that's with others or myself. Kevin DeYoung, that book that I'm reading, uh, Crazy Busy, he says, uh, busyness can do three things. And I thought, yeah, this is true. Listen to this really carefully. It ruins our joy. Busy people are very rarely joyful. Okay? It robs our hearts because busyness gets us to worry about the things in life, I have to work harder for that, I have to do more for that, I have to keep that happening. And it probably is driven by um, a desire for things and keeping things happening, a lifestyle happening. And so watch it because it can start to rob what your heart desires. The other thing is that busyness will cover over the rot in our own souls. And I think that the point that he's getting to there is that um, we become known by what we do rather than who we are. And that's what busyness drives you to. It's, it, you know, busyness now is a badge of honour, isn't it? If you say that you're not busy, well, people sort of look down on you a bit and say, what, what's wrong with you? And we find our identity in our busyness, not on who God sees us to be. Or And here I'll say it again, listen to this carefully. Busyness in itself is not necessarily wrong. Busyness is not wrong. It's not the issue. Okay? Because busy, you can, you can have lots of people, uh, lots of things in your life and still be sort of content. And you know that different people, with different personalities, some people are, can, can handle a lot of busyness and other people can't. You need to work that out a little bit. John Ortberg says it in, this, uh, in his book, uh, The Life You Always Wanted, or something like that. He says, uh, it's not about being busy. More the issue is about being hurried or rushed. I think that's true. It's not so much about the amount of stuff. Well, it is, it's, a, it's about making a call on the amount of stuff and how that's robbing you of your priority. And if you're feeling hurried or feeling rushed, that's probably a, um, a signal that busyness is actually starting to rob you of priorities. If you're feeling hurried and rushed all the time, you're feeling like you're robbed of joy, you're feeling like your heart, is, they're the signs. Um, so don't, you know, people, we, people still can do a lot of things and, 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 and we don't judge people the same way in, in that way because some people can do a real lot of stuff and actually be quite content. Other people need to have a whole lot of space and be content in that. So it's different for us as well. But it's a priority issue, priorities issue and a heart issue around these things. And so as we're thinking about that and as I'm giving you that information, you need to be asking yourself, how am I maintaining a number one relationship with Jesus? What does that look like in my lifestyle? 
What does that look like in my family? What does that look like in my workplace? What does that work like in, look like in my um, entertainment sphere of life? Do we have that desire, like Mary, like Jesus showed us, to take time to sit in his presence, to soak him up, to study his word, listen to him? And that's, and I, I've used this example many. How do, you, how do you maintain a relationship with a person? How do you maintain a relationship with a person? And I say there's generally th- I, two things you do and three things altogether is that you talk with, the, talk with that person, you listen to that person, and you just repeat that. That's, a, that's the basis of a relationship. And I sort of, I, I don't even know where I am in this thing. Oh, yeah, talk, listen, and as you go, isn't it? Because you, you think about how you develop a relationship either with partners or friends. You talk, you listen, and then you do stuff together. And in that, you talk and listen. And think about how that works for you. In that re- Sometimes that you're relating to that person just as you're doing stuff and you're just talking and stuff. Other times, you, it's a bit more intense, isn't it? You get on a one-on-one with them, and you have a coffee, and you say, we've got to really talk. It's a little bit the same with Jesus. As we do life, we're, doing the, yeah, we're talking with him as we go along. But other times we need to take time out with him and sit with him and soak in his presence and understand again who he is and who I am because of him in the everyday stuff. So people, as we continue this, following people in following Christ, moving people in following Christ... <laughs> I implore you to get your priorities right. To ask, and this is the thing, isn't it? Remember what Joel said last week? You can't do anything unless it's through Jesus, uh, through um, the Spirit, through God. And again, so we've got to ask God to get our priorities right. Say, God, help me to get my priorities right. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about love, joy, peace, patience. But the ones at the end a little bit, faithfulness and self-control, those are often things about personal relationship, isn't it? And that's not just for us, it's again, isn't it? So that our relationship overflows to the world. So you ask God and you ask his spirit, help me to find those places where I connect with you and grow groups. So it's the the church, the body. We have to encourage one another, build one another, teach one another, rebuke one another. And one of the things of grow groups is to hold us accountable to make sure that we're keeping Jesus at the centre of those three circles, that we personally and as a church keep Jesus as our number one priority. So last, no, it's one slide. We go to the next slide. A bit of a test. Where do you sit? On the busy versus lazy scheme, where do you sit in there? Just have a bit of a think, a bit of an examine of your life now. Are you drifting towards busyness, becoming a badge of honour or becoming idle, the other side? Here's the other one I want you to really do. This is, I speak to so many people that say, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. What I want you to do is examine what keeps you busy. Because this is what I hear, you know, when I dig into a little bit, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. This is what I find usually makes people busy. Sport, friends, entertainment lifestyle and then the church gets blamed for keeping you busy (laughs) i do the same we really need to examine what our priorities are people 
and don't tell me you're busy. Well, you are busy. You're doing lots, but your priorities are wrong. Constantly busy catching up with people. Here's the thing. This is, this is where I go a little bit. Uh, I was going to pick on young people, maybe. Young people, adults. You guys have lots of friends. And you're always constantly busy catching up with lots of friends. And it's the scourge on our society because what it re relates in is it relates in superficial relationships. You, you don't end up being able to spend the time to go deeper with, and you just constantly catch. And I think that's a, it's, it's, it's a warning that we have. And particularly, it's our culture. And I'm saying this because our culture says it's a badge of honour to have lots of friends and to constantly be catching up with lots of people. You need to think, is that, is that priority stopping me from connecting with Jesus and being in with him? Are you working or are you worshipping? <laughs> Where do you sit on the schedule, schedule there? And this is, yeah. Are you trying to work to please God or are you responding because of who he is? Are you a Mary or Martha? Are you distracted or focused <laughs> on this priority of Jesus? And then at the end, this is Jesus' constant message to his disciples all the way through is just repent and believe. So he says, repent, recognize that I haven't kept Jesus, number one, and then believe that I am now the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. I have been forgiven and I have been made right with him. And, I do and it's this constant repetition of the gospel of repenting and believing. And each week as I preach, I get convicted to the core by this. I hope you get convicted today. But I hope and I pray that you know the gospel message and that you leave this place with a smile on your face and a spring in your step. Because Jesus says, I've taken care of that. I want you to be aware of it. But I've taken care of it. Now, keep me number one. Keep working, keep serving. But keep moving and walking with me. As we understand the love of God, the love of Jesus that that becomes our motivation for life. As, we, as I started off the passage, uh, the service, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be taken care of. As you pick up, as you go, please keep Jesus as number one, pursue him. Someone is telling me they're reading a book at the moment, don't sweat the small stuff, if you read that. He reminds it, remember the birds of the air? Remember the flowers? Aren't you more valuable? I'll provide for you. I'll look after you. You keep me, number one. Keep me, walk with me, and you see how I'll provide for you. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. I, I had a line here, pick me. I thought of Donkey from Shrek. <laughs> I don't think that's quite a good illustration for Jesus. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, pick me, just come to me, be with me, know me, live with me. And all the other stuff will take care of itself. Or no, more than that, he'll take care of it. <laughs> so remember Joel's message last week, remind, remain in me because you can't do anything without me. And it's, it's in that priority number one that the, all the other stuff flows out of. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us his fruit to be able to live this out. So may you go out convicted and encouraged.
May you go out knowing how much Jesus loved you and how much he desires for you to spend time with him and how he just wants you to be in that intimate relationship with him. We make that a priority one this week. Let's pray. Lord and God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Because, Lord, we know that uh, ourselves and the world uh, all too often trump you. So we just confess that this morning. We just, yeah, we repented that. We turn away from that. We want to turn back to you. We turn back to you because you are a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, rich in love. And we pray that we may know your grace again today. And that as we go out from here, even now as we go to sing this song, that your spirit would convict us of the truth, that we would believe the truth, that you have washed our sin away, that you have cleansed us, restored us, and empowered us to live for you. And I pray that this week, uh, your church would set you as priority one, and that we would know your presence, know your love, know your grace in all that we do. Amen.